Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At home, we got a little old radio on the porch. Whenever it won't work, Pa just spits in the back of it and walks it a good and it works every time. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Hey, y'all. She's a worker. She's a worker. And welcome to this Monday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you're listening the day it is uploaded, it is a July 17th. And a person who is so happy it is Monday is right next to me. Kimmy, I got one name. Kimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Or did I tell you exactly what's going to happen to you? You're going to be back in television. Only it won't be quite the same as it was before. That is so true, and you can find out just how different it is. We have plenty of videos available right now on our YouTube page, our Facebook page, and definitely on our website. Right, Kimmy? That's right. Uh, we even have a, a video page right on our website, and just check that out and see uh, see some uh, television stuff, interviews, mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Lots of good stuff. Oh, lots, lots of good stuff. Also, uh, photos and a link to upcoming events that the Riley and Kimmy show will be at. That's right. Just click on an event thing and it'll it'll pull those right up. And if you have an upcoming pop culture event that you would like us to promote and be part of, we are available for you. We have a link right on that event page where you can contact us. Or if you have an animal event that you would like us to promote, pet animal related we have a show specifically designed a little sister show to the riley and kimmy show it's called animal special and we are available for those events as well just contact us links available right on our website and what is our web address kimmy rileyandkimmy.com the riley and kimmy show That is the big question on a Monday. I'm kind of curious if Kimmy has survived the weekend uh, to the point where she is alert enough for a Monday. We're recording this really early, actually before the hour of sunrise on a Monday. Are you willing to play nerd and pop culture trivia, Kimmy? Yeah. For those joining us for the very first time with Nerd and Pop Culture Trivia, this is how it works. We have, well, we just totally scrambled up the timeline. It is shaken, not stirred. That's right. It's all scrambled, sort of like I am. And the dates are not in linear or chronological order. You can help Kimmy get the answers right. If you think she's going to falter... Shout out an answer to her. We believe in time travel answers. That's right. You are right now in our future. And we believe the time travel thing can happen with an answer. You just shout at your laptop, desktop, tablet, smartphone, smartwatch, whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. 
So shout those answers out. It is a Monday, July 17th. Let me just give her one more try here. Kimmy, are you alert enough to play today? I am. All right. It's time for nerd and pop culture trivia. The very first question we have for you is from one of your favorite categories, Kimmy, not one of your weak categories. And it is in the world of cinema. It was on this date. The Mask of Zorro, directed by Martin Campbell, is released in theaters. We have a multiple-part question for you, Kimmy. First of all, what year, within five years, did The Mask of Zorro hit theaters? And tell me two of the three stars. There's actually two Zorros in it, an old Zorro and the new Zorro. And then there's the love interest. We're just asking for two of the three stars and to give you a chance to think about it and some audio clues here is a brief trailer there is a saying a very old saying the pupil is ready the master will appear Zara. in a land where freedom is a memory i came here to learn how to fight like you to have your strength your courage Zara was a servant of the people he did what was needed now he's needed again. And justice is outlawed. Ask the man will be my brother. Kill him! The just must become outlaws. You know how to use that thing? Yes. The pointy end goes into the other man. This is going to take a lot of work. If you want to kill this man, I can help you, and I can teach you how to move, how to think, how to take your revenge with honor. How can I do what is needed when all I feel is hate? You hide it with this. Be careful, senorita. There are dangerous men about. Forgive me, Father, for I have seen. It has been three days since my last confession. Go on. I have broken the fourth commandment, Padre. You kill somebody? No, that is not the fourth commandment. Of course not. I had impure thoughts about a man. Last one? Yes, last one. No bad? The only sin would be to deny what your heart truly feels. Enough no time. bad at all. Enough time to think about it, Kimmy. What year was The Mask of Zorro in theaters for the very first time? We give you a five-year plus or minus. 94? Barely get it. It was 1998 that The Mask of Zorro was in theaters. Now, the big question. Name two of the three stars in that movie. Can you do it? Antonio Banderas. Ooh, the young Zorro. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Ooh, the love interest. You're going for the bonus points. Can you tell me who played the old Zorro? The mentor. Anthony Hopkins. Yes, you got all three. We're only looking for two. You are on a roll. It is a Monday. You are alert. That's for sure. Uh Next question for you. Pay attention here. It was on this date in history that Disneyland opens. The question is, was this the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? 1950s. What state is Disneyland in? California. A state of fun. No, you're right. It is California. It was the 1950s. It was 1955 that it opened. And you have been there, correct? Mm-hmm. And did it scare you? Did it scare me? Yeah, I didn't know if you were on any scary rides or anything, if they even yeah. had any back then. Mm-hmm. They did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which one? Which one scared you? 
Um, the teacup thing? No? Oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. No. What, what was it? This the Matterhorn. Kid? Okay, it wasn't the Dumbos. We were riding around on the Dumbos. No. no, it was a Matterhorn. Okay. All right. Uh, was that a roller coaster? Mm-hmm. Oh, Kimmy loves those. Mm-hmm. Mo- moving back to trivia. It was on this date in history that Woolworth, the stores, close. They closed the last of their 400 stores. Give me the year within 10 years that Woolworth goes away. Two-part question. We'll ask you something else about that. Mm. What year? 99? You get it very close. 1997, Woolworths goes away. How long had they been opened within 10 years? How long? 100? Ooh, so close. Wish I'd given you 20. It was 117 years. Kimmy, mm. Kimmy almost got it. It was real close. It was on this date in history, Kimmy. Harvard School of Dental Medicine was established in Boston. It was the first dental school in the United States within 25 years. When did that happen? Mm. Before that? 1850. Wow. Somebody must have shouted that out to you. It was 1867. Uh, No dental school till then. Think about that. Mm. Uh, It was just pliers. It was like, good luck, buddy. Or sort of like the Stooges did with a string. You know, and they tie it around the tooth and then tie it to a door, the string. Do you ever uh-huh. see that? And then they slam the door. Uh-huh. Just don't do it too uh, curly because he just walks with the string as you get ready to slam the door. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. See, Kimmy even laughed. You'd laugh at the Stooges, see? Yeah, give him a try, Kimmy. It was on this date, 1917, the British royal family adopts a last name. Can you tell me what the last name is of the British royals? Yes, Prince Charles has a last name. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Windsor. Oh. Let's see how you are with baseball history, Kimmy. I know you love the sport. The year is 1941. The longest hitting streak in baseball history ended when the Cleveland Indians pitchers held this New York Yankee hitless for the first time in 57 games. The year is 1941. Who would that be? Babe Ruth? No. We're going to give you three guesses. Um, Lou Gehrig? No, but I'm going to give you a bonus clue here. He was married to a Hollywood star. Joe DiMaggio. That's right. You got it. Within the three. It was on this date in history, 1950. A television show debuts. It actually comes from the roots of radio, a very successful radio program that goes to TV. Tell me the name of the comedy duo, Kimmy. One of the members is Jerry Lewis. Tell me the other member. Dean Martin. That's right. The Colgate Comedy Hour is what it was called. It debuted on this date in 
Colgate Comedy Hour with Martin and Lewis opened up, and yeah, they they had little singing jingles of the sponsors there. Yeah. Hmm. You were bouncing in your seat there. Mm. Yeah, in her air chair. She was bouncing. The year, Gimme, is 1954. Tell me the major league team that made history. How they made history in 1954 on this date. They were the first team with a majority of black players. What major league baseball team was this? The White Sox? It was the Brooklyn Dodgers. The year is 1954. Moving to film. The year is 1959. This movie was released. The film is North by Northwest, starring Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint. Premieres actually in Los Angeles. Tell me who the director is. Here is your clue. Have you planned your vacation yet? You have a choice between sand and sunburn, or mountain climbing and the Charlie horse. I find it all very enervating, but we should all have some kind of holiday. So, my suggestion is a quiet little tour, say about 2,000 miles. I have just made a motion picture, North by Northwest, to show you some of these delights. And the ideal place to start our holiday fun trip is New York, where Cary Grant can go places and do things. You don't find a tasteful little murder on every guided tour, now do you? But this means we must leave Manhattan. Who is the director? Alfred Hitchcock. That's correct. Have you ever seen North by Northwest? No, I have not. There are some scenes in there are very, well, it's it's a Hitchcock film, but there are some interesting scenes he actually shot on location. He did not like to shoot on location, by the way. He liked to do anything or control as much as he could in studio, recreate Things, But he did shoot on location some of the scenes in North by Northwest. Fantastic scene with an airplane that's uh, in it. And that was shot not really close to you, more closer to where I grew up in the farmlands of America. It was, it was out in a rural part of Indiana where that was shot. Hmm. And it's really cool. And there's some other scenes in there that are just fantastic. It is worth visiting if you've never seen that. It's 1959, North by Northwest. The year is 1961. Motown Records releases um, this group's First single, Kimmy. I know you don't know this single. It did not receive a lot of airplay years later, especially on oldie stations. And their sound is not what you're familiar with. In maybe five years, they have a different sound, maybe a little less than that. But they are a super group of the 60s. See if you can identify this trio. Here is your audio clue. The year 1961. Can you identify who that is? No. A trio? Any clue? No. They've become very big. Motown Records, huge. 
No. That's Diana Ross and the Supremes. 1961. Really? Yes, that's Diana Ross and the Supremes with Buttered Popcorn, their first single from Motown Records. Hmm. Yeah. You, you don't hear that anywhere, right? Mm-mm. Just remember, the Riley and Kimmy Show might have introduced you to Buttered Popcorn. And if you're hungry now, we're sorry. Mm-hmm. Have some Buttered Popcorn. Yes. Yeah. Unless you're Kimmy. She doesn't eat Buttered Popcorn, do you? I wish. Not Buttered Popcorn. Do well, you? yeah, okay, you, you don't do that, do no. you? No, Mm-mm. okay. 1967, this song was recorded by whom? Tell me who the recording artist was. Here is your clue. Sixty-seven. I heard it through the grapevine. Done by whom? Is that Gladys Knight and the Pips? Yes, that's Gladys Knight and the Pips. It was a hit for them, and also became a hit for somebody else. Who was the other person? Marvin Gaye. That's right. Nineteen sixty-eight. The Beatles have a feature-length cartoon. It premieres in London. What is the name of that cartoon? Yellow Submarine. Yes. Did you like Yellow Submarine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving over to something else. Uh, it scared me when I saw it as a child. Mm. It's the Blue Meanies. And I think even the Nowhere Man kind of scared me too. Mm. But what's kind of interesting, I never saw it in color. Never saw it in color. Really? Yeah, I only saw it in black and white. And that black and white Blue Meanie was really... I saw know. it in the movie theater. They showed a bunch of... Um, well, it must have been a retro thing because you weren't yeah. around in 1968 to see no, that. No, they showed the Beatles movies. Oh, wow. In the theater, so... That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I can handle the yellow submarine now because of that. I'm traumatized by that blue meanie. You know, I wonder if somebody could cosplay as the blue meanie. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be frightening. <laughs> that'd be really, really frightening. The year is what we're looking for. You have a plus or minus of five. An Apollo spaceship docked with a Soyuz spacecraft. This happened in orbit. It was the first link up between the United States and the Soviet Union. The Apollo Soyuz mission. Can you give me the year this happened? Within five. A, 1980? You get it within five. It was 1975 that this was done. Deke Slayton, who was part of the Mercury 7 and was grounded, could not fly because of a health condition, became head of the astronauts, part of the astronaut crew, but was in charge of the astronauts, eventually got his health condition reversed, and he was chosen because he was one of the Mercury 7 to go up as part of Apollo Soyuz. The condition, though, was he had to learn Russian. And the Russians had to learn English. So when they did the exchange, they spoke in each other's or the other's language. Mm. Kind of a kind of an interesting thing. You can find out more in Deke Slayton's book called Deke. The year is 1975. This Beatle and Maureen Cox were divorced. Who is the Beatle? Which Beatle? 1975. Um, George Harrison? His Ringo Starr. Oh. The year is 1976. This song is released. Identify the song, Kimmy. Here is your audio clue. Try, try. What is the song? Magic Man. He's a magic man, mama. Oh, he's a magic man. 
Who is the recording artist? Hart. That's correct. Moving back to trivia, Kimmy. Serious trivia here. But it was in the headlines. But it's history. It's that political kind of history. So this is a weakness for you. But here we go. Give me the decade this happened. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North and Rear Admiral John Poindexter began testifying to Congress at the Iran-Contra hearings. Was this in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, or 2000s? 1980s. That's correct. 1987 that happened. Now back to fun stuff. Music, your favorite category. The year is 1987. Keith Richards of what group signs a solo deal with Virgin Records? The Rolling Stones. Staying with music, but almost impossible. 1989, this individual releases a song. The song reaches 18, number 18, on the UK singles chart, but does not chart in the United States, which is amazing because... He had many, many hits before this and many afterwards, too. Has a very unique sound. See if you can identify who had the miss in the United States, but a hit in the UK. Here's your audio clue. The song is this one. If I never did, I was only waiting for a better moment that didn't come. There never could be a better moment. Who is that, Kimmy? Paul McCartney. That's right. It's Paul McCartney, 1989. This one. The year is 2004. This person gets into trouble, Kimmy. Known for television, video direct releases too, and appears as herself as a guest on certain TV shows. See if you can identify who it is. She's really into, like, uh, cooking and house stuff and furniture and things like that. Here's your audio clue. You can ask yourself, what makes a kitchen beautiful? Of course, the way it's designed, the cabinets themselves, the color, uh, and also functionality. One that functions flawlessly. My line of kitchens available are not only gorgeous, but they really function, too. This is our gardener kitchen, which is full of some new and amazing features that help keep a space clean and organized. For storing food, this is a pullout with canisters, and it is a must in every kitchen. This feature has full extension. It pulls all the way out and has two shelves. It comes with seven clear food storage containers, making it easy to see what you have on hand quickly and easily. And of course, a quiet close. Another great feature that I really love for storing food is our tall pantry. All right. I think that's enough. Can you tell me who that is? Oh, wake up. Can you tell me who that, who that was? Oh, oh, oh. Huh. Oh, is it over? Yes, um, yes. Marth- Martha? Martha who? Martha, you know. Martha. Well, what's Martha's last name? Martha. Um, Martha yeah, something. Her. Yes. The one, yeah, who is it? Martha who? Um, ooh. Stewart. Yes, Martha, Martha Stewart. Yeah, yeah, Martha, yeah, yeah, Martha Stewart. You know, she was on Two Broke Girls, remember? Oh, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, on this date, 2004, she was sentenced to five months in prison plus five months in home confinement for lying to federal investigators. Give me the year, two years plus or minus, Marvel's Ant-Man starring Paul Rudd is released. Give me the year. 
2014. You get it? It's 2015. Celebrity and notable birthday time. Kimmy, let's see if you can identify what this person's famous for. His name is Earl Stanley Gardner. You probably don't know the name, right? Mm-mm. You don't pay attention to me TV because they occasionally run promos about Earl Stanley Gardner. He was born on this date, 1889, died in 1970 at the age of 80. He was an American lawyer and author, best-selling American author, by the way, of the 20th century. He was the best, the top-selling author up till his death in 1970. Best known for creating this character. Identify who he created. Do you know? Perry Mason? That is correct. Perry Mason is the answer. Earl Stanley Gardner was the author and creator. A lot of the episodes are based on his books. And by the way, Perry Mason was a very popular radio program before going to television. And you realize, Kimmy... This classic theme from the television series, which you were able to identify in basically one note, was almost not used. It was created, and the composer had done many elements for the show, meaning, you know, like incidental scenes and things like where they find a murder and stuff like that, in addition to that title track there. And one of the executives who was part of the film or the part of the TV series said, I don't like it. I don't like the theme. It's, it's, it's too old. I don't like it. It's, it's boring me now. And they brought in another composer to jazz it up. And the other composer is a person who did the psycho theme. And he would not touch it. He said, you have a hit. You have a winner here. So almost the psycho guy, and who knows what he would have done, hmm. almost changed what we know today. So fortunately, he was honest. You know, he didn't want to go, oh, yeah, I'll put my, my mark on it. He actually, you know, he he was truthful, and we have that Perry Mason theme today. Moving to somebody else on the birthday list, Kimmy, identify this actor. He has been in, well, he was in a lot of films. He's actually a dancer, too, but I know you don't know him for that, and unfortunately, the majority of individuals that sample films probably aren't aware that he was a, a, a gifted dancer, too. See if you can identify him. With one of his uh, iconic phrases, the true phrase that he actually said, it gets misquoted by people who have done impressions of him over the course of time. Tell me who the birthday person is. Don't go down wishing stuff again. I wish you was a wishing well. That I could tie a bucket to you and sink you. Come out and take it, you dirty yellow-bellied rat, or I'll give it to you through the door. Who is that? Mm. Kimmy, who is he? Mm. Kimmy, who is he? I know. Yes. I know. He could play one of the toughest people on planet Earth. Who is it? I can't think. Yes, you can. You can do this, Kimmy. Initials? J.C. Oh, Jimmy Cagney. That's right. James Cagney, born on this date, 1899. Died 1986 at the age of 86. So many movies you can check out. One of them, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Check that out. There's a scene in there. I mean, there's so many scenes that are great. You actually see his dancing ability in that. There's one where he's just nonchalantly going down the stairs and starts tap dancing on the stairs. And it's not part of a scene of a musical thing. It's just showing that the character's mood is in a happy, joyful mood. Very gifted. And one of the amazing things about Mr. Cagney was he decided when he reached a certain age that he was going to retire because he didn't want to be somebody who would start forgetting lines. He noticed that he might be starting to have a problem and because he was getting older and he decided he wanted to leave at the top. 
He didn't want people to carry him. Uh, he wanted to be able to perform his A game. So he he stepped away. Mm. A, a very classy guy. That is Jimmy Cagney having a birthday today, or James Cagney, if you prefer. Next individual, somebody I'm sure you've never heard of, Kimmy. Sad story. William Gargan, born on this date, 1905, died 1979 at the age of 73. He was an American film, television, and radio actor, big in radio. Gargan was best known for his role as private detective Martin Kane. In the 1949-1951 radio that went to television series, he also appeared as private detective in the NBC radio show called Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator, which ran from 51 to 55. Gargan's acting career came to an end in 1958 when he developed throat cancer. Doctors were forced to remove his larynx in 1960, and then he would speak through an artificial voice box. Gargan became an activist and spokesperson for the American Cancer Society, often warning about the dangers of smoking. Mm. We were just highlighting him there because he's a forgotten person mm -hmm. from the golden age. Next individual, Kimmy, born on this date, 1912, an American radio and television personality. Matter of fact, he was hired by Walt Disney to do the opening on TV live of Disneyland on this date. Mm. And... There was a board game with his name attached to it and his image on TV. You are aware of him. I don't know how. Some relative must have had that board game or had videotape of his TV show. See if you can tell me who he is, Kimmy. He had a TV and radio show. Actually, he started in the radio, went to TV on CBS for 25 years. And he was also on NBC TV for... 19 years combined with radio. That's NBC Radio and TV. Here's your audio clue. In just a moment, we're going to talk to the kids. But before I do, I'd like to tell you about the two rules that I try to follow in presenting youngsters. First of all, I never tell them what to say. Because I figure that they can think of better things to say than I could, even if I wanted to tell them. And secondly, I never tell them what not to say. Because if they say something startling... Or unsuspecting, they say it in all innocence, in all frankness. Never embarrasses me. Uh, even a story that a little girl told the other day. I said to her, how'd your mother and daddy meet? And she said, um, well, mother was taking a bath one day. <laughs> That's a great start for a story, isn't it? And she said, the doorbell rang, and my little sister answered the doorbell, and there was a man there who said that he'd like to see mother. So my little sister let him. <laughs> well, you can't tell what they're going to say, but you know that it's going to be fun as we invite you in to meet our four young guests in our playroom. Uh, who is that, Kimmy? Art Linkletter. Art Linkletter and the kids. Join us for 15 minutes of unrehearsed, unpredictable fun with children. Starring kids from 2 to 10. With the Pied Piper of TV and radio, the people are funny man, Art Linkletter. There must have been a lot coming out of that two-year-old on the show. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's Art Linkletter. Uh, yeah, they did have a, a board game, too. You remember that, Kimmy? The mm -hmm. board game? Yeah. You know, I'd actually kind of like to find that maybe in the upcoming collectible show. Maybe we can find that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to add it to the collection there. Really? It, yeah, it used to scare me when I was sitting around. I mean, <laughs> somebody had thing. I was like, ugh. Yeah, but no, I, I think it'd be kind of a fun thing just to have that and, you know, add the uh, Dark Shadows game. Because uh, that was another one that scared me to death, too. Dark yeah. Shadows game. Art link, the Art Link letter game had a lot of dust on it in the attic. Oh, that's how you you know it because it was up there. Yeah, mm -hmm. collecting dust. Okay, 
Moving back to birthdays and trivia, 1917, Red Savine was born, died 1980 at the age of 62, an American country music singer and songwriter. His style of music, well, he's associated with truck driving songs, Kimmy, and he did have a couple of number one hits in the world of country music. And I, because it's no secret to those who know me well, know as a child, I grew up on the road. Uh, I was fortunate I had a relative who was a uh, a truck driver that traveled across country, owned his own rig, and he would take me on trips. And when I became old enough to bring my own uh, tapes and stuff, we did an exchange. Uh, I would listen to something he'd want. He had an 8-track. I had a tape deck. We'd listen to his music, and then we would listen to mine. And then, of course, radio stations. But he, for some reason, liked to listen to Red Savine like Giddy Up and Go. I remember the first truck I drove. I was so proud I could hardly wait to get home to show my wife and little boy. And my little boy was so excited like when he saw his first snow. He wasn't old enough to say too many words. He just kept a hollering, giddy up go daddy, giddy up go. So that's what I named the old truck, giddy up go. That was Red Savine and giddy up go. I know you love that one, didn't you, Kimmy? That's from nineteen. That's from nineteen sixty-five. Number mm. number one hit. Actually, people bought that one, Gibby. That's special. Well, we have another special one for you. I know it was before your time, but the, there was a big CB craze that happened in the mid nineteen seventies, uh, early to mid nineteen seventies, and up to the late. And well, Red Savine came back with a number one hit that was CB related, and <laughs> I heard this one a few thousand times traveling the highways and byways of America. The old CB was blaring away on Channel 1-9 when there came a little boy's voice on the radio line. And he said, Breaker 1-9, is anyone there? Come on back, truckers, and talk to Teddy Bear. Well, I keyed the mic and I said, you got it, Teddy Bear. And the little boy's voice came back on the air. Appreciate the break. Who we got on that end? I told him my handle, and then he began. Oh, uh, yeah, handle. Did you notice all those uh, CB things there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was from the height of CB. That was Teddy Bear, number one, 1976. And yes, thank you to the relative who exposed me to that. By the way, you, you used to be able to go to any truck stop way back when, and they'd have eight tracks of his stuff there. That was just one of them right there. You know, you could get that. Yeah, or cassette tape, too. Yeah, mm. and... and yeah, that relative had the cassettes, the 8-track, and the albums. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think he was actually torturing me, don't you? Maybe. Mm. May- I don't know. Maybe not. He actually sang along. That was kind of the scary part. Back to trivia. 1917, this person was born. His name is Lou Boudreaux. Tell me what he is known for. He did play Major League Baseball, but he also did something else. What was it? Uh, announcing. That's right. He did play-by-play for what team? Chicago Cubs. That's correct. 1958 to 1959. Then he became a baseball manager for a little bit of time and then went back in 1960 to do play-by-play until 1987. Figured you would know that one. Mm-hmm. Next individual, identify who this person is. Born 1917, died 2012 at the age of 95. Comedian and actress. She worked in more than 40 movies she appeared in many TV shows, often in cameos, but also including her own short-lived sitcom and variety show. And she actually appeared on The Night Gallery. Oh, man, she plays a nasty woman with John Aston. He's her her husband, and you really feel sorry for him. Tell me who the mystery person is born on this date in 1917. You know, I haven't given up. I know you look at me, you think I've given up. I have not. I was today at the beauty parlor four times. They wouldn't let me in. <laughs> 
Makes me so mad. I confronted him today. I said, look, you've been putting all this expensive stuff on my face all these years. Why don't I get better looking? He said, you've built up an immunity. <laughs> I am in the 14th year of a 10-day beauty plan. I slosh so much cream on my body and all over at night, I have to wear snow chains to hold up my gown. We've got more grease stains in our bedroom than in the garage. I asked Fang to kiss me goodnight the other night. He got up and put on his work clothes. And then one night he surprised me. He wanted to kiss me. I found out later why. He had chapped lips. I will not give up. When I go to the scalp clinic, I'm going to try to grow some lovely hair, too. I told him I just wanted beautiful hair. They said, stay on your head. So for months, I stood on my head. You know what I got? Dandruff on my feet. Who is that mystery person, Kimmy? Phyllis Stiller. That's right, born in the state, 1917. Have you ever seen her in movies? Did you ever see her with, like, Bob Hope and stuff? No. Oh, you should check those out. I, I, those are fun. They're safe for all ages. That is Phyllis Stiller with Bob Hope. Phyllis, born in the state, 1917, died 2012 at the age of 95. Next person, actor having a birthday, he was in the movie JFK in a minor role, but powerful, 1991. But I'm going to give you some audio, in my opinion, for me, my favorite, uh, just watching him, his, his not maybe best, but just creepiest performance. It's from 1991. Two-part question, identify who the mystery person is and tell me the movie this is from. Here is your audio clue. I sent away for a copy of that Life magazine with your picture on the cover. It's a collectible. Did it look at you? Did the fire look at you? It did. Our worlds aren't that far apart after all, are they? Whoever did this really knows the animal well, don't they? They know him real well, but they won't let him loose. They won't let him have any fun, so they don't love him. Now, who doesn't love fire? And is around cryptochloride all Who is that mystery person? Donald Sutherland. That's correct. Playing a creepy pyromaniac, an incarcerated pyromaniac. In what movie? Um, Backdraft. That's correct. Backdraft from 1991. And how old is Donald Sutherland today within five years? 85. He is 82 today, moving to somebody else having a birthday. American film and television actress known for her roles as Linda in Halloween, Riff Randall in Rock and Roll High School, and Norma Watson in Carrie. And she also played, uh, well, opposite of Bill Murray in Stripes. Can you tell me who the birthday person is? P.J. Souls. That's correct. How old is P.J. Souls today within five? Sixty. Mm, she is 67 today. Bonus question for you. One of her first roles was a 1976 ABC TV film with John Travolta. Tell me the name of that, that movie. Ah, uh, The Boy in the Bubble. That's close enough. The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Oh. Yes, which recently... Kimmy watched part of that with me I because I'd watched it. I had it on DVR, and there's a certain scene in there where a horse jumps over his bubble gerbil thing that he's living in. He's like, you know, a hamster hut, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and a horse jumps yeah. over it. And you got to see him in the spacesuit, too. Yeah. yeah. We won't go there anymore, okay? Next individual, Kimmy, Lucy Arnaz, Desi and Lucy's daughter, having a birthday. She is 66 today. Next individual, gained recognition 
notoriety on a certain soap opera. Here is your audio clue. Identify the soap opera the moment you can. Young and Restless. That's correct. He played Dr. Snapper Foster. Who is the person? Oh, yeah. That's, um, that's David Hasselhoff. That's correct. Now, he became very big on a certain TV show in the 1980s where he got to drive a really cool car. Matter of fact, the car could actually talk to him. Can you tell me the name of the show that we are talking about that David Hasselhoff starred in before he did Baywatch? Knight Rider. That's correct. He played Michael Knight on Knight Rider. Bonus question for you. What network aired Knight Rider? NBC. You got it right, Kimmy. Yeah, you're moving ahead quite well on a Monday. Now, impossible trivia for you musically, even though music is your strong, strong, you know, category. I think this one's going to be a little bit difficult. One hit wonder, basically, but a number one. It was number one on the hot adult contemporary tracks and number eight on the pop singles. It was played a lot and even on oldies slash gold stations for a number of years. See if you can identify who the recording artist is. Here's your clue. that as a hit, Kimmy? Nicolette Larson. Impossible. How did you do that? I don't know. She was born on this date, 1952, died in 1997. Moving to the world of movies, this individual, an actress, best known for her role as Nancy Thompson in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Nightmare on Elm Street in 84, the sequel, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors in 1987. Who is she? Oh, uh, Heather? Uh, yes. Lang... Langler? Uh, we'll accept that. Mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp. Langenkamp. How old is she today within five? Oh, 55? You are so close, Kimmy. She is 53. I see dead people. Notable desk, Kimmy. Tell me who this is. It was an American broadcast journalist and news anchor. Passed away on this date in history. Here is your audio clue. Identify the mystery person. This is my last broadcast as the anchorman of the CBS Evening News. For me, it's a moment for which I long have planned, but which nevertheless comes with some sadness. For almost two decades, after all, we've been meeting like this in the evenings, and I'll miss that. But those who have made anything of this departure, I'm afraid, have made too much. This is but a transition, a passing of the baton. A great broadcaster and gentleman, Doug Edwards, preceded me in this job, and another, Dan Rather, will follow. And anyway, the person who sits here is but the most conspicuous member of a superb team of journalists. Writers, reporters, editors, producers, and none of that will change. Furthermore, I'm not even going away. I'll be back from time to time with special news reports and documentaries, and beginning in June, every week with our science program, Universe. Old anchormen, you see, don't fade away. They just keep coming back for more. And that's the way it is. Friday, March 6th, 1981. I'll be away on assignment, and Dan Rather will be sitting in here for the next few years. Good night. Who is that? 
Walter Cronkite. That's correct. What year did he pass within five years? Mm. 1981 was his last mm. broadcast as anchor person. 2002. He passed away 2009 at the age of 92. Back to trivia. It was on this date, 1974. Dizzy Dean dies at the age of 63. Tell me what he is known for. Baseball. That's correct. Major League Baseball player. He was a pitcher and then got hurt on the mound. A movie called The Pride of St. Louis loosely is based on his career. It was released in 1952. And by the way, he became a sports broadcaster and did very, very well. You're doing quite well, Kimmy, on this Monday. I'm, I'm quite surprised. 2006, Mickey Spillane passed away at the age of 88. Can you tell me what he is known for? Actor? Uh, actually, I have to give it to you. You got it by default because he is actually a crime novelist whose stories often feature his signature detective character, Mike Hammer. More than 225 million copies of his books have been sold internationally. But he is an actor. In 1974, he appeared with Jack Cassidy in Columbo in an episode called Publish or Perish. He portrays a writer who is murdered by Jack Cassidy. Mm. So you can't, I, we will give you that one. Kimmy, you did a fantastic job on a Monday. Uh, our hat off to you. Fantastic. Thank you. And right now we're going to honor something from trivia with the golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loves you. And that's a Riley and Kimmy show. We talked about James Cagney, Jimmy Cagney being born on this date in 1899. He did not do a lot of of old-time radio work. He's one of the few actors of the 30s, 40s, and going into the 50s that did not. A lot of them would do radio to stay, well, basically in the forefront of people's minds. He did not do this. He was a very busy film actor, but he did some old-time radio, and we have a fantastic example from the world of, well, thriller, horror, suspenseful kind of old-time radio. The episode is called Love's Lovely Counterfeit. It's from 1948. It stars James Cagney. The narrator and host is Robert Montgomery, who was a film and television actor, director, and producer. He's also the father of actress Elizabeth Montgomery. So it's kind of a cool thing here to hear that. Going back in time to 1948, here's James Cagney on The Riley and Kimmy Show. This is Robert Montgomery, inviting you to join us for Love's Lovely Counterfeit. Tonight's study in... Suspense! With the distinguished actor-director, Mr. Robert Montgomery, as your host. Tonight, our star, in one of his rare radio appearances, Mr. James Cagney. Our story, Mr. Kane's Love's Lovely Counterfeit. A suspense play produced, edited, and directed by William Spears. Mr. Montgomery. Funny thing about a gun. Nobody likes to have a gun pointed at him. And yet it gives you sort of a phony sense of power to hold one in your hand, to do the pointing. The gun itself is cold steel. Its message is written in hot lead. And the death it brings is cold again. 
I still don't know anyone who thinks a gun going off makes a pleasant sound. I suppose a lot depends on knowing why the guy who points it wants to fire it and what kind of a gun it is. Guns have personalities. A fat blue revolver is a lot different character from the first slim rifle you get when you're a kid. You take a rifle like that, they look clean. They are clean. But did you ever take a good look at an automatic? A forty-five? Nothing healthy looking about those babies. Uh-uh. Something very final about an automatic. They're for the tough boys. Probably you haven't known any tough boys personally, but you've read about them and heard about them. And high-caliber actors like James Cagney have made them live for you on the screen. You want to know how it is to meet a tough boy? We've got one for you. Name's Ben Grace. And Jim Cagney's portrayal of him tonight reflects an important ingredient of suspense. Because of the character as James M. Came drew it, and because of the masterful interpretation you are about to hear. A respected actor and my friend, James Cagney, as Ben Grace in Love's Lovely Counterfeit. I'm writing this, lying in a nice clean bed with the sunlight coming in the window and nothing to do but look out at the people walking along the streets and the kids playing in the park. And any little thing I want, all I have to do is ask for. To a lot of poor guys nowadays, that, that probably sounds like the softest spot in the world. But with me, there are a couple of slight disadvantages. I think you'll see what I mean. How I got here, and that begins when I went to work driving for Sal Casper. If you haven't been in Lake City, chances are you've never even heard of Sal Casper. But Sal is the kind of a boy who would have got plenty of headlines if he'd operated in a big city. He had the bookies, dope, gambling, everything. And he owned the best commercial hotel in town as a front. The only trouble with Sal was he was mean. And he was greedy. But I never had any real kick coming until that Friday morning last June that uh, I'm going to tell you about. I'd gotten a call and I went up to Sal's private office in the hotel. I knocked on the door and in a minute the slot opened up and it was Lefty Gauss looking out through the slot to give me the once-over. Oh. Oh, it's you, huh? Hey, come on in. Is Saul here yet? No, no, not yet. He ought to be pretty soon, though. What's he got on his mind? I wouldn't know, Ben. This is supposed to be my day off. Well, I hope you didn't make any heavy dates. Oh, so you don't know a thing about it, huh? Not enough to tell you, Ben. Okay. Hey. Huh? What? What's that? Huh? Oh, that must be those poor suckers the Citizens League have on the political parade. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, there they are. You can see them through the window just coming into Main Street. Say, that, uh, that must be Jansen, huh? The guy there running for mayor. Yeah, that's right. Oh. In the back seat of the big open packet. Mm. Oh, who's the doll riding with him? <laughs> What's the matter, Ben? Don't you read the papers? Sure. I read little Abner. Who's that, Daisy May? Her name is June Lyons. 
Jesus new secretary or something. But everybody says she's the brains of his campaign. Yeah? I could use a little brains like that myself. No, no, not that kind you couldn't. Not that missionary kind. Uh, what, uh, what about this Jansen? Ah, never a chance. Putting out a lot of publicity. He must have some dough behind him. Ah, you can't elect a reform ticket in a town like this. The machine's too strong, Ben. Not unless you got some dirt, some real dirty dirt that stinks so bad people just can't ignore it. Then the machine boys can't put the pressure on. But otherwise... Everybody knows Sal is backing Maddox. He even brags about it in the paper. Yeah, sure. And who's going to get anything on Saul with half the police force on his payroll? Mm. Saul isn't even worried, huh? <laughs> Why should he be? Saul puts up the dough, Maddox wins again, and Saul keeps on running the town. Yeah. Oh, that must be Saul now. Hi, Lefty. Hi, Benny. <laughs> How's muscle bound? How are those big, broad shoulders, eh? I have them built right into my suit. You ought to try that, Saul. Might make you look like a man. What's that crack supposed to mean? What's the matter, fellas? Can't you take a joke? Sure, I can take a joke. So can I. What you got on this afternoon, Benny? I guess you forgot. This is my day off. I said, what you got on this afternoon... Nothing that I can remember now. Why? A little job. What kind of a job? I got a tip some friends of mine maybe in a little trouble. Something about a bank. Why don't you stick to the bookies and the gambling, Sal? You'd be safer. Listen, Benny, any time you think you're big enough to run this business, just let me know. I'll be glad to work something out for you. What's the job? These kids are going to crack the castle and first national just after closing time. It's loaded on Fridays. It ought to be a big haul. Yeah, they got a... They got a room here in this hotel, room 480. They'll be back here about 3.30. Ah, you see, I own this hotel, and uh, I want you to go up and collect the room rent. I'm giving them pretty good protection, so I figure it'll come to about 20 grand. Yeah? Well, figure on some, getting somebody else to collect it. What? I said get somebody else. I don't like guns, and I don't like gonzels, and you know it. Listen. Listen, you punk. You think you're a big guy, don't you? A big guy with muscles. And I'm just a little guy. That's what you think, isn't it? Isn't it? But if you try to cross me, I'll have you crawl on me on your hands and knees. Oh, when I get through with you, you'll beg me to use a gun on you. Because you're yellow. Aren't you? Aren't you? What's the room number? 480. Come on, Lefty. Okay. That was lousy. Skip it. You're gonna do it, though, aren't you? Sure. I'll see you up there. 315. By the way, uh, what did you say that dame's name was? What dame? That dame with Jansen. That brains of the opposition. You mean June Lyons? Yeah, that's it. Now, now, wait a minute, Ben. Wait a minute. You know that's poison. Why, if Saul even thought you had... You know, Lefty, Miss Lyons interests me in more ways than one. An election for mayor in a place like Lake City can be a pretty tight little situation. Particularly if the town has been run for years by a mobster like Saul Casper. 
And I knew that with me working for Saul, playing around with the opposition wasn't exactly the healthiest pastime in the world. But when I saw that June Lines doll that was running their campaign, there was something about her that gave me an idea. That's why I phoned her. And she said, okay. I met her at an intersection a little ways out from the main part of town. She described the car and given me the license number. She drove up as though she had stopped for the light, just like I had told her. I uh, got in and I changed. She drove on. For a minute, we just sat there. Nobody said anything. Then... <laughs> the least I expected was a blue chin and a broken nose. You disappointed? A little. <laughs> What's this hot tip you told me about over the phone? I don't have much time. What's the matter? Are you worried? Not particularly. You don't have to be. I'm not interested in you. Where are we going? Just keep driving around, but keep out of the main part of town. Is it as melodramatic as all that? Could be for me. Why do you want to see Jansen elected? I don't. Oh? Well, then why, why did... Suppose you let me ask the question. All right. Uh, I'll ask you the same one. Why are you working for Jansen? Oh, I'm just one of those crazy idealists, I guess. Just a missionary, huh? Well, Jansen may not be the best man in the world, but at least he isn't hooked up with a racketeer like Saul Casper. The way Maddox is. June. Oh, it's June now, is it? What's your name? Maybe I'll tell you that later, and maybe I won't. Listen, June, if you were one of those earnest kids who stand around on street corners handing out leaflets, I might believe you wanted to reform the world, but you're not. I know that you know that electing Jansen isn't going to reform the world or even reform Lake City. It just doesn't make that much difference. Oh, well, it does to me. Let me out of the next corner, will you? Why? Because if you're like that, I don't know how to deal with you. And if you're lying, I don't trust you. But, but I'm not lying. I'll get I... out here. Wait a minute. What? Listen, it's partly that, but there is something else, too. Like what? If Jansen wins, of course I'll get a city job out of it, a good one. That's more like it. Yeah, but I, I want to explain why, why I want it. You don't have to explain anything. But I want to. I'm a lawyer. At least I've got a degree from law school, and I want to be a good lawyer. If you start out on your own, it can take years. But, but with the right job at City Hall, you can build up a practice in no time. The other's partly true, but, but this is... This is about 90% of it. Okay, as long as it's the door you're thinking about, we can do business. It isn't just money. Yeah, I know, I know. Now listen. If I give some dirt on Saul Casper, I will send him up for ten years or so, Johnson wins. Right? Well, if you can prove it. You're going to prove it. Three punks from Chicago are sticking up the Castleton First National Bank at about three this afternoon. Saul Casper is hiding them out at his hotel, room 480. If there's any shooting at the bank and anybody gets killed, it'll be that much better. You will have him for accessory to murder. Have your people there at four o'clock. I'll take care of the rest. You must have been to college, too. What? To think up one like that. In the first place, who's going to arrest Saul Casper in Lake City? The second place, if we come out with this, and it can't be proved, it's criminal libel. And that's all Jensen needs to really lose. So, what do you think? I think you're working for Maddox and Casper. Hmm, that could be. But at least, I know my law. What law? 
The Castleton Bank is insured by the government. That makes the stick up a federal wrap. If you want the number of the FBI, I'll give it to you. Oh? As for the second place, have you ever heard of a guy named Ben Grace? Ben Grace? He's one of Saul Casper's gang, isn't he? That's right. Here's my driver's license with a picture on it. Not a very good one, but there, there is a resemblance. The name is Bennett J. Grace. Oh. You can turn left here. All right. Does that make any difference? What? That I work for Saul Casper? No, it doesn't. Well, it should. Because, A, I've put myself on the spot giving you this, but plenty. And, B... I'm not a guy who's in a very good position to go around giving phony tips to the FBI. You can pull up right here. Hmm? Where is this? This is where I live. Oh. Anything else? Yes. Just why are you doing this? Because I just decided that Sally Casper is an old meanie. And I don't like him. Is that enough? If you say so. Room 480 at 4 o'clock. Ben. Yeah? Will I see you afterwards? Don't worry, baby. You'll see me. I was back at the hotel by 3.15. Things were going pretty good. The one thing I was afraid of, that she'd want to call in the Federals before the stick-up... She never even mentioned. I knew she was my kind the minute she began to talk about the dough. When I got up to room 480, Lefty was already there, lying on the bed, reading the paper. Oh, hello, Ben. How you be? So this is room 480, huh? Looks just like room 481. How are you, Lefty? Okay, sit down. Want a bottle of beer? Nope. You, uh... You didn't take it too hard, what Sally said, did you? Can't say I liked it. What time is it? Oh, a couple of minutes four. Yeah. It's too bad about you, Ben. What's too bad? Ah, the way I got you figured, Ben, you're a chiseler. Then what? That's all. Sounds like there might be more. Not unless you ask for it. Okay. I'm asking for it, Lefty. Well, Ben, a chiseler's like this. He isn't crooked and he isn't straight either. He's, uh, he's just in between. But above all, he doesn't like trouble. Maybe he's just smart. I don't say he isn't. Oh, he'll always make pretty good dough and he'll die in a nice clean bed with a doctor's certificate instead of a coroner's. But he'll never be a big operator. No? Uh-uh. No. A big operator, he runs it or he doesn't operate. And that means he doesn't mind a little trouble once in a while. I guess that's right. And that's too bad, Ben. Because you got brains. Now, me, well, I'm different. How's that? Because I, I don't mind the trouble, but I don't have the brains. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't... Who told you that? I know, I know. Ten years in stir off and on didn't help any. And I didn't have much to begin with. Did I ever tell you how I started, Ben? No. Ben, 
I was a preacher. A what? Do you expect yes, me Yes, to... a preacher. So help me, I was. By rights, I still am. Look, here, I got the license right here in my wall. Yeah, it was one of those hillbilly outfits. And the bishop, as he called himself, he was so far away from where I was that he never even heard about me, I guess. Anyway, he never canceled the license. <laughs> the Reverend Richard Jose Goss. <laughs> That's one for the books, Lefty. Yeah, I was just a kid. But I got hooked up with one of those big-time evangelists. And if I stuck with it, I could have hit the big time myself. And there's plenty of dough in that racket. But you know what I did? <laughs> First time we really make a big take, I tie a handkerchief over my face and get me a rod and stick up the cash box. <laughs> and they caught me. Yeah, that's how I know I haven't got the brains. I wouldn't let it worry you, Lefty. That's not what's worrying me now, Ben. What is? What is? What's going to be happening in here in a couple of minutes? You ever sat in on a divvy before, Ben? No. And I wouldn't be now, except for the manpower shortage. Yeah, these are three wild kids, Ben. Chances are they'll be coked to the ears and slobbering at the mouth with half being half scared to death and half crazy with excitement, thinking how much dough they got and what big-shot public enemies they are. And we, you and I, we got to walk up and take 20 grand away from them. All right, they know that. Yeah, knowing it's one thing, kicking in with it's another. And suppose uh, Solly's double-crossed us. How? Oh. Suppose he didn't tell the kids how much his cut was. Suppose he left it for us to break the news. They just come from maybe killing a couple of people for 40 grand... Maybe they'd just as soon kill a couple of more to keep the 20. Maybe. So now we're going to find out. Come on, Marty. Get him in here. Sure, okay. Johnny, don't leave me. Where's Johnny? All right, get him over to the... Who are you? I'm the man that collects the room rent. Yeah? Stick him up. Fresco, Marty. Okay, Johnny. I don't need a rod to handle punks like you. This guy's clean, Johnny. Yeah, what about the other one? He's with me and he's got a gun. And don't try to take it away from him because it's an old family heirloom. And he's very fond of it. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Okay, stop acting like something you've seen in the movies and put that cannon away. You might drop it and break somebody's foot. What's the matter with your pal here? Uh, he got shot. Anybody else? No, the guard shot him when we were pulling out. Better get him over on the bed. Uh, Johnny, we're going too fast, Johnny. We're going too fast. He's, he's out of his head. Yeah. Did you get the dough? Did we get the dough? Look at this, wise guy. Forty grand, maybe more. Look at it. Touch it. Taste it. Smell it. What about it, sucker? Did you ever see so much dough before in your life? Sure. I work in the mint. Do you know how much this room is costing you? How much? Twenty grand. Twenty grand? That's right. I'll be back after a while to collect it. What are you going to do with your pal there with the holes in him? Uh, I, I don't know. You know that's bad, don't you? Why? The kid's out of his head already. Suppose he makes trouble, starts screaming or something. Well, you got doctors, haven't you? Sure. But that kind of a doctor, that's one more guy that'll have to get a cut. Pretty soon you guys won't have anything left but small change. Yeah, that's what you think. But of course, maybe the kid'll die. Yeah? And then what do we do? That's even worse. Oh, no, no. That that'd be easy. Then we just take him out of here at night and dump him someplace. Oh. 
And if the kid was to die, that would be one less guy who had to get a cut. Wouldn't it? Huh? Yeah. Well, come on, Lefty. Okay. We'll be seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you know what, what you're do you think, doing, Bob? Ben. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think so. Come on. I got the room next door. You know, you're just as good as signed that kid's death warrant, don't you? That's right. The other two will knock him off now before we got time Johnny, to get the... Johnny! Listen, 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 listen. Johnny, no! No! They did it. Yeah. Maybe we better call Saul, huh? I hope you know what you're doing. Order, please. Uh, give me Mr. Casper's room. Yeah? Uh, Sal? Yeah, who's this? Ben. Uh, you better come up to room 480, Sal. Why? They want to see you personally. Why? I said they want to see you personally. I still want to know why. Do you want your dough or don't you? <laughs> You're supposed to be the guy with the big muscles. <laughs> I'm not going to wrestle those punks for your purse. Okay, Charles Atlas. I'll be right up and show you how it's done. You'll be right up. Then what? What do you mean, then what? Ben, yeah. if you got any little plans, you know I'm all for them, don't you? Sure. And you know I hope they come off, don't you? Sure. But if they don't come off, you know where I stand on that, too, don't you? I know. You stand right behind me with a gun on my back. Just so you know, Ben. I can see how you'd have made a preacher. Lefty, you've got a terrible streak of honesty in you. Just so you know. What's going on here? Listen, listen, there he is. I'm Sal Casper. What's going on here? Oh, uh, Mr. Casper, uh, there's been a little trouble, Mr. Casper. Yeah, what kind of trouble? Uh, Arch here, he just died. Died? He was shot. Yeah. All right, so we'll get him out of here tonight. You got the dough? Sure, sure, we got it. Well, let's see it. Here. All right, put up your hands. Huh? Up your hands. Hey, what's it? Department of Justice. We're all under arrest. We didn't That's all, pal. Hey, Ben. Where you going? I got a date. With a missionary. In tonight's full hour of suspense, James Cagney is our star. Mr. Cagney appears as Ben Grace, with Kathy Lewis as June Lyons, and Wally Mayer as Lefty Gauss, in William Spears' production of Love's Lovely Counterfeit, tonight's study in suspense. In just a moment, we will return with Act Two of Suspense. This is Robert Montgomery again. When such incompatible words as lovely and counterfeit found themselves together in the title of tonight's story by James Kane, they said a lot, not only about the story, but about the man, Ben Grace, as well. Elements of both words crowded through him. On the one side, for example, was his dislike for meanness and greed, and on the other side, something forged, fictitious, false. That was a smooth operation he pulled, and he was going to get even smoother as he went along. But it never got Ben Grace anything but trouble. Because the smoother he got, the further he got away from the true Ben Grace. A real lost guy trying to find North. And maybe for him, 
June Lyons could be north. But Ben wouldn't stop long enough to take a reading. As James Kane described them in the novel, whatever it was June needed in life, Ben had it for her. And when she was with him and she acted with that complete abandon of a novice having her first drink, constantly he watched her. He studied her. As though he were trying to make up his mind about something or to figure out something into which she definitely fitted. And then he began to really look at her. It was the first time he had really studied this girl who had started such a chain of circumstances in his life, and he looked with lively interest. It was all the more lively since he was unable to connect this face with all that he had learned about its owner. It was, in anybody's contest, an extremely beautiful face. It was perfectly chiseled in profile, at least. Its slightly droopy lines reminding him of pictures he had seen of ancient sculpture. There was some exquisite invitation about the mouth. It pursed a little with an expression of expectancy. The skin was soft with just a brush of bloom on it. The figure was lovely, too. Not too tall, but slender, soft, and willowy. He had the dizzy, half-nauseated feeling of a man who has been rocked to his heels by a woman and knows it. And so continues the history of Ben Grace in James M. Cain's Love's Lovely Counterfeit, played out for us by James Cagney in a narrative well calculated to keep you in suspense. After that, the action moved along just the way I'd seen the play in my mind. Sal might have had a 6-2 and even chance beating the rap of having the tea-loaded kids in the hotel. But when the guns were checked against the wounds in the stiff, the beef was murder. And that was one beef Sal couldn't square. Jansen walked into the city hall on a bread plush carpet, and June, she got the job she was after. Jansen's first day in the driver's seat was celebrated with a cocktail party at June's house. All the loyal party workers were invited to receive the thanks of his honor. I called June on the phone when I heard about it. She hammed and pawed around a little, and then she finally asked me if I'd like to, like to come. Didn't seem too anxious, but I, I wasn't going to miss this chance to meet the mayor. She told me I could bring a friend if I liked. I said I would. But I suddenly realized that I, I didn't have any friends. I brought Lefty. It was a corny house, a depressing pile of wood and stucco with four tired walls leaning in against the sagging roof for support. June was nervous when she saw me. I introduced her to Lefty. Well, how do you do? I'm glad you could come. Well, how you been? You had a nice house. Thank you. Um, you know everyone here, Ben? Uh, everyone I want to know. Well, uh, uh, there's there's a bar in the alcove right over there. You got any beer? All you can drink, Mr. Goss. <laughs> you want to make book? Ben, uh, you'll excuse me while I speak Oh, sure, later. sure. You just go right ahead and host us like crazy. I'll just drift around. Thank you, Ben. I'll see you later. Class, Ben. Real class. Educated, too. Ah, that she is, Lefty. That she is. Well, how about the suds, Benny? Then we'll go pay our irrespects to his honor. How do you do? I'm Mrs. Lyons, June's aunt. How do you? How do you do, Mrs. Lyons? My name is Grace. This is Mr. Gauss. I'm so glad you're here, Mr. Your name is Gauss. Lefty Gauss. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't hear very well. Oh, uh, excuse me. You'll find me in the suds, Ben. Uh, excuse me. Have you met Mr. J uh, Jansen yet? No, I I'm looking forward to that. Oh, he's a wonderful man. Just a wonderful man. Nice and settled and with a wonderful future. 
Don't you think so? I think I'll be able to tell more about his future after I've talked to him. Exactly. My very words to June. I can see things like that. I beg your pardon? Then you agree with me. Oh, of course you do. You look like a very intelligent young man. Mrs. Lyons, you don't make much sense. Exactly what I've been telling Junie. But she just says, oh, be quiet. Oh, for heaven's sake, Auntie, be quiet. I can understand that. Oh, if you really would encourage her, Mr. Grace. You see, she never tells me a thing. Never. Thinks I'm dumb. Treats me as though I don't have good sense. But I see things, I can tell you. Why, he's so crazy about her that all she'd have to do is lift her little finger to marry him. Just her little finger. Marry? Marry who? Yes. And it would be such a fine match for Junie. Mrs. Olaf Jansen, wife of the mayor. Oh, oh goodness, I, I get dizzy when I just think of it. Yeah. And I know what you mean there, too. Oh, oh, there, there is... Oh, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Jansen. Well, how are you, Mrs. Lyons? Yeah, Mr. Jansen, this is Mr... Uh, Mr. Uh, the name is Grace, Ben Grace. Ben Grace, eh? That's right, Your Honor. June, uh... Miss Lyons tells me that you've been very busy. May I congratulate you, Your Honor? Thank you. I was about to say that Miss Lyons tells me that you uh, worked to help make my election possible. How very clever of you, Mr. Jansen. Oh. I did what I could, Your Honor. Please accept my sincere thanks, Mr. Grace. It's highly encouraging to find young men fighting for good, clean government. Good, clean government is my hobby, Your Honor. Really? Mm-hmm. And uh, if I might make a suggestion... Of course. This town needs a cleaning from attic to cellar. There we agree, Mr. Grace. And you'll need the right man as chief of police to help you do that. Are you uh, ambitious for a police career now? Oh, no. No, no, Your Honor. Myself, I have no ambitions. But I think I can suggest the man you need. Cantrell. Joseph Cantrell. Cantrell? That's the man. But I've just thrown him out. He was one of Saul Casper's rats. I... I'm sorry to use words like that. You worked for Saul yourself, didn't you, Mr. Grace? You, uh, you mustn't get emotional about these things, Your Honor. I'm sorry, sir, but I fail to follow your reasoning or your emotions. You said you wanted to clean up this town. You'll have to appoint the best available man to do that for you. If you go through the list, you'll find that Cantrell is the best officer on the force. He's got more copper in him than a ton of pennies. It wasn't his fault that a crook got elected and he had to play along. Give him half a break and he's the best law enforcement officer in the country. And a good offer is what you'll have to have if you're going to deliver what you promised the voters. You can't deliver with jerks and thugs. Now, let me tell you oh, something. Oh, you silly man. Let me Just make this very clear, point. Mr. Grace. When the people of Lake City voted for me, I promised them that Save I would your clean up... breath. Your Honor, I heard all your campaign speeches. Mrs. Lyons, may I take you to the bar for a ginger ale? Are they really, Mr. Jansen? Yes, we've been waiting a long time for a man like him. Oh, you're right. So right, leaving so soon? Now that you mention it, I, I guess I am. Oh, well, I... Uh, have you met Mr. Jansen? I met him. What do you think of him? I think he's a very educated gentleman. But he'll learn. He'll learn. Do you know what? I think I'm in love with you. I... I think I love you, too. For the next couple of weeks while Casper was waiting for the trial, I let everything coast. Everything, that is, but 
but June. There I kept the motor running. And finally the night arrived when it was time for me to step on the gas. Pretty. Very pretty. My secret vice. The piano and... And? You. Less keys to punch on me. <laughs> Less keys, but more music. Junie. Uh-huh. He's stuck on you, isn't he? Who? Jansen. Jansen? That's the man's name. His honor, the mayor. Sure you don't generate a little amperage for him? Oh, Ben, you. You can ask that. Fix me another drink. All right. Yes. Nice little apartment you have here. Makes that home you lived in before the election look like a flea bag. Well, I earn a little better, I live a little better. Sure. Ben. Yeah? Why'd you ask me that? Ask you what? About Jansen. Skip it. No, no, Ben, I want to know. Oh, I kind of got that notion from the way he always shows up here after I bring you home at night and stays for a while. You're wrong, Ben. Don't give me a razzle-dazzle, Angel. I've clocked him in and out. You know me better than that, Ben. He has no personal interest in me, honest. It, it, it's just business. It's things we have to talk over. Mm-hmm. Not enough hours in the city hall day, huh? Well, he gets lonely sometimes in the evening. You know, his wife just died, and he... That's what I mean. All right, Ben. He likes me. And... and I, I just feel sorry for him. Honest, he's so grateful if I just let him come in and just sit for an hour and talk. <laughs> grateful. Oh, Ben, please. You probably got him jumping through hoops. I'd rather have you jumping through hoops. <laughs> it, you know, when I was a kid, my old man used to say, Ben, he'd say, don't ever jump through a hoop. <laughs> of course, from the hoop, it's only a hop to the halter. And then you drop the H, and what are you left with? The altar. Oh, man, where'd you hear that? Jansen coming here again? Tonight? Oh, not if you object. Oh, I don't object. That's better, Ben. There's nothing to be jealous of. You, uh, you could ask him a favor, though, Junie. All right. Anything you say. Ask him to appoint Cantrell chief of police. Appoint Cantrell? Whom did you say? You heard me. Ben, what on earth are you talking about? Cantrell. But he's a crook. What, what? Well, he was hand in glove with Saul Casper. How could Jansen appoint Cantrell? It'd make a laughing stock of the whole campaign. Oh, Ben, he can't appoint Cantrell. Uh, okay. <clears throat> ben? Ben, where are you going? Home. To bed. I gotta make an early train in the morning. Train? Where to? New York. You're going away, Ben. Guy's got to think about his future. Nothing for me in this town. That's the way you played it. Get rid of Saul Casper. And go after me. And then when you found out that Jansen's in love with me, you you thought you had him. That, that through me, you could make him do whatever you want. Get Cantrell made the chief, and, and then you, you can run this town just the way Casper did. Well, you won't. No. Goodbye, Angel. Don't forget to dust in the corners, lock your door at night, and uh, peek under the bed. 
Ben? Yes? Ben. Close the door, Ben. From the inside. a question of who would break first, June or Ben Grace. And she broke maybe seconds before I would have turned back to her with all my hard-boiled, off-the-arm toughness melted away in little pools at her feet. But that was something I couldn't ever let her know. The next morning, I found Lefty in the blue bottle, blowing the head off his glass of breakfast. Uh, hiya, Ben. Sit. Lefty... How much it's all pay you? The truth, Ben. Thirty-five. What? A week? So go ahead, laugh. Let's see you laugh. For all I did, gambling my neck every other day, thirty-five a week. And I took it. <laughs> hey, that's the funny part. I I took it. You can start tomorrow at fifty. Huh? Who for? From now on, I'm running it. Aha. So it was you. All the way down the line, you were the tipster. So what? Uh, nothing, Ben, nothing. What is it, Lefty? What is it? Only this, Benny. You see, I call you Benny. That's because I like you. Yeah, I like you. And that's maybe why your great success makes me a little sad. Listen, Reverend Jose. The only revival I'm interested in is reviving the fortunes of Ben Grace. You got anything else to say? Not a thing. I got not a word to say. Pals? <laughs> Two beers, Ben. <laughs> and they're on you. <laughs> so I took over where Saul Casper dropped out. We moved things around a little to make it look respectable, but the bookies and the gambling joints and so on kept right on in business. And I collected. Wasn't hay. Things were fine, just fine. My evenings were filled with June and my days with putting the automatic pump on the town. Like the day I finally got around to the office of Bleeker and Yates, the lawyers. Oliver Bleeker had been elected district attorney along with Jansen, so it was Mr. Yates, the junior partner, that I wanted to see. And what do you want with me? Uh, you know anything about pinball, Mr. Yates? Why, uh, <laughs> I've played the machines once in a while, I guess. Oh, I mean the hookup. Well, not exactly. Uh, you reform guys. You don't know much, do you? Is it important? Listen closely, Mr. Yates, because I'm only going around once. There are 5,000 pinball machines in Lake City, and they're owned by a few hundred scrimy jerks. You know what those machines take in a month? More than $100,000. Uh, I beg your pardon. That's what I said, $100,000. They're still going strong, but what happens to them in the very near future depends on your partner, Mr. Bleeker, the new DA. But I can't tell you what he's going to do. Well, I've got a flash for you. I say that as far as Lake City is concerned, pinball is finished. Why? Because it's gambling, and it's wrong. But to the extent that it's a game of skill, it's good, clean recreation. And that's not against the law. I'm going to bring a new kind of machine into Lake City, if, as, and when the old ones are tossed out. But this much I've got to know before I bring 5,000 machines in. Will mine be legal? No gambling, no payoff, 
Only a certificate if you make a home run. Now, you know Bleeker, and you can put a certain legal question to him. No? Well, I... Uh, uh, the next no. thing... The next thing is to protect the interests of the little storekeepers who use my machines. I'm going to organize an association. The association will need an attorney. The attorney will get a very respectable retainer by the year. Yeah. Those machines will do $100,000 a month, and I want you to be the lawyer for the association. Well, there's a little question of uh, ethics here. That, uh... I figure the attorney should get oh, 5% of the take. You see, mister, I'm Bleeker's partner. Maybe even as much as 10%. Uh, but you see, the ethics of the situation... Uh... Well, if you're busy, you're busy studying ethics, maybe you wouldn't have time to handle this job, Mr. Yates. No hard feelings? I'll just look for another man. Uh, no, 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 just a minute. I, I would like to think it over a bit. Sure. Perhaps to talk to Mr. Bleeker about it, see what he thinks of the propriety of my accepting such a... Now I get it. Well, uh, shall we meet again, say, say, next week? Next week is fine. And next week was fine. Joey Cantrell was appointed chief of police. The DA listened to the legal advice of his partner, Mr. Yates and decided it was for the good of the community to yank all those horrid, nasty pinball machines and save the citizens from the temptations of gambling. Chief Cantrell's first official job was to supervise the smashing of the machines which had been condemned. I went around to see how he was getting on before he could smash too many. Tell him to hold up a minute, will you? Huh? Tell him. Oh, hold. yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys, quit it, will you? Hold up there, will you? There's too much noise. Come on, hold up the condemnation of those machines a minute. Okay. Joe, uh, you ever been abroad? No. Neither have I. But I have been to Mexico. Mexico? South of the Rio Grande. Juarez, across the river from El Paso. Well, when, when I came back, I thought I'd bring in some perfume. Yeah. So what? So, this. On some of that perfume, they got a rule that the customs officer has to destroy the label before it's brought in. You got that? Still listening. You know how he destroyed it? No, but I'm dying to hear. He drew a blue pencil across it. He made one blue mark, and that legally destroyed it. The man put a blue pencil right through it. If one blue mark will destroy a label... Why won't it destroy a pinball machine? Oh. <laughs> Say, you sure do think of things, don't you? I do my best. You mean destroy it legally? Legally. You got a blue pencil? I could try. I just happen to have one with me. Then we'll see. Look at that. I just destroyed it. See? Now, another thing, Joe. Yeah? Uh, you'll want those trucks again, huh? To haul the uh, destroyed machines over to the reservoir street dump? Well, I guess they got to be put someplace. All right. I'll have them here tonight. <laughs> Funny how a blue pencil ruins stuff, isn't it? Oh, and another thing. Yeah, just one. Sign those vouchers. For what? For the trucks. The trucks I furnished the city yesterday to haul these various gambling devices from various and sundry addresses. 
here to the 9th Street Police Warehouse. 3,000 bucks in all. Hey, slow up, boy, slow up. Costs money to clean up a town, Joe. Okay, but don't run a good thing to death. It's the people's will. Huh? You forgot that mandate to cleanliness. Sign. And that's the way it went. And with a little remodeling, those pinball machines were back at their old stands. But now they were working for Ben Grace. Yep, whatever I touched turned green, with pictures of presidents on it. Things were going so good, I started to worry. But I knew that the real worry was going to be June. I knew she was going to spring it on me sooner or later, and it, and it was. It was last night when I was out at her new place that she decided to get it off her chest. Ben. Ben, I want to talk to you. What about? Don't you know? Yeah, I guess maybe I do. We can't go on like this, Ben. It isn't right. It isn't fair to Jansen. It isn't fair to... It isn't fair to me. What? What's so unfair about it? Oh, Ben, you know what's unfair about it. Mr. Jansen promised the people of Lake City that if he got elected, he'd clean up the town. Huh? All right. Why doesn't he do it? He's had six months. Because he doesn't even know what's going on. Great. Then what's the beef? I know what's going on. The horse racing places, the gambling places, all the other places are just as open as they ever were. Mm hmm. And I know who's keeping them open. Of course you do. I am. Listen, honey, if I wasn't bossing the organization, someone else would be. People like to bet, people like to gamble. Oh, Ben, don't you see? I I'm a city official. I have an obligation to the people of this community, to the people who elected Jansen, because they believe that, that he. Still a missionary, huh? Well, I'm not a racketeer. Maybe not. But you're the next thing to it. What do you mean? Where do you think the dough came from for that car I got you? And the fur coat? And this place? You never told me. Did I have to? You knew I didn't get it from a long-lost uncle. Why don't you admit it, baby? You're a chiseler. Am I? Sure. Just like me. Only I'm honest about it. You're not. Then I will be. I will be starting now, starting right tonight. What are you going to do? Turn me in? Oh, Ben. Maybe your big mistake was falling in love with me, baby. Now, there isn't much you can do about it, is there? Oh, Ben, quit it. Get out of it, please. For my sake, just because I don't like it. Just because I hate it. Maybe I don't like it either. It's all I know how to do. Ben, what was... Hiya, Benny. So? Surprise? Kind of. Did you break out? Yeah. Yeah, just to see you, Benny. Put up your hands. You know I never carry a rod. Yeah, maybe you sort of wish you did now, huh? <laughs> Muscles. Not that you have a chance to use it. What are you going to do? I'm going to kill your boyfriend, sweetheart. No. When I've done that, I think I'll think of something real nice to do to you. Ben? You sit right there where you are, sweetheart. Benny, you start backing up to that door slow. It's a bathroom, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll kill you in the bathtub, Benny. That way, be nice and quiet, and there won't be so much mess. Now, reach behind you real careful and open the door. And when I tell you to start backing in, you back in. All right. Start backing. June. Is, is he dead? Mm. Yeah. Since when have you been carrying a gun? Just lately, I... Ben, are you all right? 
I just want to sit down a minute. Oh, Ben. We got to get out of here, baby. Oh, yes. Ben will go away. We'll get out of the country. We'll go to Canada. Sure. And we can get married there. You do want to marry me, don't you, Ben? You know I do, baby. And you can get work up there, Ben. I'll do something, too. And we'll do something decent with our lives. Darling, I know it's been partly my fault. I know I've just been weak. But it isn't too late to begin again, is it? Is it? <clears throat> Maybe not. But your aim on that second shot wasn't too good, baby. Ben? So, there's just one thing that's stopping us. Ben? What? <clears throat> The bullet hole in my belly. So that's how I came to wake up in this nice clean bed with nothing to do but look out the window at the kids playing in the park. It's a hospital. And there was a big cop here with me, with his chair tilted up against the wall, reading the paper. Hey, Flatfoot. Why, hello, big shot. You've been in the land of Nod, haven't you? What are you doing here? Reading the funny papers? Can't you tell? Why can't you read them at home? Because there's been a little thing that we policemen call murder, big shot. And you're what we call a material witness. Mm. Where's June? June Lyons. She's in a nice, cozy cell, big shot. When she comes to trial, your statement will probably send her up for five or ten years to another nice, cozy cell. What statement? Oh, you'll talk. Yeah? You know what you got, Big Shot? Mm-hmm. I got ventilated with a lead slug. But that's not all, Big Shot. You got peritonitis. I have. Hmm. So what? So? I've seen guys with peritonitis before. You know what happens? First, they start getting a fever. Then they get kind of lightheaded. Then they get thirsty. Terribly thirsty. And after a while, they get so you can make them talk without they hardly know that they're talking. Oh, you'll talk all right. You think so? I know so. Hmm. Get Chief Cantrell on the phone. Chief Cantrell ain't chief anymore as a result of these unfortunate series of events. Seems Mayor Jansen began to wonder about him. Hmm. Where's Lefty Gauss? You mean your faithful servant? Right outside. Can I talk to him? Alone? Sure. Why not? Uh, how, how, how is he, nurse? It's hard to say yet. Hey, putty nose. Your boss wants to see you. Thanks. You funny, funny fella. Hiya, Benny. How you feeling? Not too good. Well, it just goes to show you, don't it? They're all alike. Who are all alike? These big shots. They make a lot of dough for a while and then... Bingo. What good's it done? He seems like a nice man, though. Oh, Ben? Sure, he's nice enough, I guess. I got nothing against him. I just say it's a sucker's racket, that's all. Me. I want to live to be a grandfather. Oh, <laughs> a grandfather? <laughs> you got to start by being a father, you know. I know. My daddy told me all about that just the other day. Well, I'm going back in. Have you got it all, Lefty? Hello, Flatfoot. What do you have now, Big Shot? Uh, you say the, the D.A. wants me to talk, huh? Maybe he was just pretending. Well, suppose I had... I suppose I had some conditions. Like what? Oh, like I only talk in the apartment where it happened. 
June Lyons apartment, and, and June Lyons has got to be there. And Lefty here, Lefty here too, to back up some things that I might say. That might be arranged? Fine. Now, you think the, you think the DA might forget a couple of those little things he's been holding against me if I talk? That'd be the general idea. All right. You can close the door as you go out and, uh, and tell the DA to be around in about, in about an hour. I'll talk. Cop was right. I'm beginning to feel a little wacky already. But the DA said he'd do it. They're going to take me out there in an ambulance tonight. If June only catches on. But she's smart. She's a lawyer. This may be the last chance I'll have to write. But don't worry. Whichever way it comes out, you can read all about it in the papers. saying is that I won't be responsible. Dragging a man in his condition way out here in an ambulance. Lugging him up three flights of stairs on a stretcher. Doc, that's the way he wanted and that's the way it's going to be now. All right, all right. Everybody here? Miss Lyons? Yes, yes. Lefty Gauss? Yes, yes. All right. How is he, doctor? I've already told you, but uh, he can talk. Not worrying about me, Mr. D.A. You're breaking my heart. Uh, Are you ready to start, Ben? Yes, I'm ready. Do you, Ben, take this woman, June, to be thy lawful wedded wife, to love and to cherish, for better, for worse, till death do you part? I do. Hey, what are you... Do you, June, take this man, Ben, to be thy lawful wedded husband, to love and to cherish, for better, for worse, till death do you part? I do. I pronounce... No, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. I'm a licensed preacher. And this apartment is outside the city jurisdiction. It's in the county. And this marriage license was taken out at the county courthouse one minute before they closed today. And when I sign it, brother, it's legal. I pronounce you man and wife. I, uh, I suppose you've heard that a man can't testify against his wife, Mr. D.A. Yeah, I know. By the way, do you, uh, do you mind if I kiss the bride? Go ahead. Ben? Oh, Ben, honey. That was the finest thing. Shh. <laughs> that was nice. Oh, Ben. Your face is so hot. Yeah. I thought maybe I was going to make it, baby. But I guess I'm not. Ben. Ben. Doctor, quick, doctor, quick. So long, so long, missionary. Mrs. Missionary. Lord, we pray thee to receive the spirit of our dearly departed and to forgive him his trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at RileyandKimmy.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.